It's time for Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on News Talk 1400, WDWS Champaign-Urbana, where we talk all things Illini along with other area national sports. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. You can also email us at talk at WDWS.com. Now, here are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Illini Fella Saturday Sports Talk. We are on the road, a, a remote for the first time in 14 months or so here on this program at least. Lauren Tate is with me. We're at the Kiwanis Club's annual pancake breakfast as they start the 100-year celebration of the formation of the Kiwanis Club. Mr. Tate, you had breakfast? I did. Pancakes. Great. Did you go back for more? Well, back for more coffee. <laughs> uh, they are serving pancakes here at Bromley Hall on campus. That's on South 3rd Street between Daniel and Chalmers until 11 o'clock. They got started at 7. The uh, cost is $7, and they'll be here until 11 if you'd like to come by, and we'll be here until 11 as well with our show. The uh, phone lines are open, 217-356-9397 is the phone number if you'd like to jump in. We've got some guests scheduled for you here, and we'll keep the phone lines open as well. Baseball action last night, Cubs and Cardinals. How did that come out, Steve? Did they, did they play? They lost me at the, after the first pitch of the ballgame. <laughs> Cubs win 12-3 to in that ballgame. Eight runs in the eighth inning for the Cubs. So the Cardinals are 25-19 and now. The Cubs are 23-21, and and just two games behind the Cardinals. And you got another one today and another one tomorrow. Yep, one uh, tomorrow night on Sunday Night Baseball. They uh, played this afternoon. Again, the Cubs win it by a score of 12-3. to 3. We're going to talk Cubs-Cardinals baseball uh, as part of the show today. If you'd like to join us on that, feel free to listen for that. We'll be doing that here later on in the first hour. The Yankees pulled off a triple play in the top of the ninth inning and then walked it off in the bottom of the ninth inning against the White Sox, winning 2-1. to one. Simple 5-4-3, huh? Hard ground ball to third right on the base. Huh? Right around the horn it went, and uh, the White Sox fall to 26-17, and 17, but still playing very well. They might be the best team in the American League, at least. Well, right I see that the News Gazette thinks so. Yeah. I see the Cardinals fell from second to ninth, <laughs> which, uh, I, I mean, this is, this is not a time to judge who's best because they got a long way to go. But uh, the White Sox got a good ball club. The problem they, ha- they have, and... And it's the fact they've lost. I heard Steve Stone say the other day they've lost three key players. They're hurting in the outfield. They don't have the outfield that they would normally expect to have, but they'll be fine. Illinois baseball last night. The Illini in the uh, last series of the regular season with a 9 nothing win over Penn State. They'll play again tonight. That game, as always, can be heard right here on uh, WDWS, but it's also on Big Ten Network tonight at 7 o'clock at Illinois Field. Yeah, they uh, they really hit the ball hard. I was I saw about the first seven innings of that game, and and uh, they were ahead by that point nine to nothing, but uh, or seven to nothing I think when I left. But Comia uh, hit the ball really hard. The, 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 they hit they hit a lot of doubles and two home runs, and so it was a it was an easy win for the Illini against a team that supposedly Penn State's supposedly better. I mean the record's better, and uh, Hoffman pitched really well. He was uh, 
there were some of the highest pop-ups I've ever seen. They, they were just swinging under the fastball a little bit and uh, never scored. Another shutout. Illinois above 500 at 20 and 19 with mm-hmm. uh, two games left in that Four series. in a row, by the way, Steve. You're yeah. counting that Tuesday game with, mm-hmm. with Indiana. So that's four straight wins as they go for five today. Other news on this Saturday morning. Congratulations to Jeff Alexander. He is now officially promoted to an assistant coach. He was the assistant to the head coach, which was a non-recruiting, non-on-court coaching role during the games. But uh, Lincoln native and a good move for him. Yeah, Neil Alexander's son. Of course, Neil's, I don't know how many games he's won, something 800 or more. I, and uh, Neil's been a great coach. His son is kind of following in those footsteps, and he'll do a good job for the Illini. We've known about this for how long? Two weeks? Mm-hmm. And they just didn't announce it, I guess, because Gentry was still negotiating or something. I don't know what was going on. But uh, we've known that Gentry's was gone. So all three coaches, all three assistant coaches are gone. It doesn't happen very often, Steve, where, you, where, where three assistant coaches on one team leave. Yeah, that's a tough one to look and up. Particularly, I, particularly when they were all successful. Right. Coming off a number two seed in the NCAA tournament. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that maybe it's happened somewhere before, but uh, – it's uh, kind of a different, uh, difficult situation to track, but it is unusual. Well, it's unusual only, uh, but think about this. Other than Chin, the other two coaches went back to join a coach they had been with before. Right. And so, uh, actually, uh, Orlando Antigua began with Calipari in, in Memphis, went from Memphis to Kentucky with him, and then, of course, the only reason he left Kentucky was to take the head job at South Florida, and then... Uh, he came to Illinois, and then this is an opportunity for him to come back for for a cool $850,000 to be an assistant coach. How about that? There's still an assistant coach opening at the University of Illinois. Brad Underwood is working to fill that. There's probably also a Jeff Alexander's job as the assistant to the head coach or another administrative-type job to be filled. You think they got enough assistants in basketball now? <laughs> How many years it was Harry Combs and Howie Brown? That was right. it. <laughs> and then Jim Wright was a freshman coach when they were ineligible, when freshmen were ineligible. So the uh, the period gets back open June the 1st where coaches can get back out. You'd like to think that he would have his staff in place by oh, then. Certainly, certainly if, if not by then, by the time the players get back in early June. Well, they'll be, they'll be uh, scheduling all those coaches out on the, out on the road for sure. PGA Championship is going on, and Phil Mickelson is turning back the clock. 50 years old, leading uh, the major for the fourth time in the in. Not let me get this right. Four decades, he has led a major championship in four decades. What and do you think will happen today? I don't know. <laughs> Louis Oosthuizen shares the lead with him at uh, minus five. Steve Stricker made the cut. He's three over. Thomas Peters, Thomas Dietrich both missed the cut. Peters had an 84 yesterday and uh, finished well, Kepka, 60. Kepka's the guy to watch because he's just so dark. And yet he's not, uh, you know, not 100% healthy. I guess he's maybe he's come a long way back, but uh, he's uh, he's awful hard to beat in these situations. We do have the phone lines open. Again, 217-356-9397. Let's go to Howard in Champaign. Hey, Howard, what's on your mind? Oh, just the usual stuff. Uh Lauren, to the average fan out here, everything seems pretty bleak right now. I mean, assistants leaving right and left. Oh, no, no, no. Anything that you could reveal that might energize us a little bit? 
Well, absolutely. I mean, it, it, it does, the assistants don't win and lose ball games. I mean, they, they're recruiters mainly, and and uh, it, the Illinois program is dependent on whether Kofi returns or not. They're a, they're a championship contender if Kofi comes back, and they're not if he doesn't. And that's my opinion. I, they won't like that, but I mean, Illinois is not going to win the Big Ten without Kofi. Yeah, you're absolutely but I, right about I that. I don't I don't have any uh, problem at all with the coaches, assistant coaches leaving. I, that's I mean, we're going to miss Antigua, but otherwise, I mean, Underwood's got to do he, – he does more. If you attend basketball practice and watch him practice, Steve, who does all the talking? <laughs> I mean, who does all the talking? Underwood. I mean, he runs the team. It isn't the assistant coaches running the team. I mean, they have duties, they have responsibilities, but it all falls back on Underwood. Now, the recruiting is another story because one guy can't do it all, and you need you need to send the guys out. And, obviously, nobody's going to have the contacts beyond the borders of this country like Antigua. That's what, and that's, that's been proven. really worries me. Yeah. Get, but, I you know, it wouldn't hurt if Illinois uh, would start getting basketball players from the United States. I mean, there's no law against that, is there? No, not at all. But uh, there's an awful, awful lot of, as you know, there's a lot of talent south of Florida. Well, yeah, there, there is, no, no, no doubt about it. And Illinois has been in on a lot of them. This is Corbello's team this year, and, and uh, you know, they just have to build around him. And hopefully we've got a center that can, you know, I hope Kofi comes back. But if he doesn't, um, they'll have to change the offense because Payne is not a scoring center. Yeah, I've watched him play on TV several times, and, He's pretty active around around the bucket. Yeah, but uh, he's, he's a shot blocker and a rebounder, and and he'll be good that way. But he's not going to score 17 points a game like uh, Kofi did. No, he's not a space heater. He's not overpowering. He's he's pretty slim. But, yeah, uh, but I I wouldn't I would I'm not at all discouraged by the assistant coaching situation. I mean I I, I think that. Uh, I think they've got a, a winner in Chester, and I think that Jeff Alexander is an outstanding coach. I think they've got two good guys there that have strong Illinois leanings, which never hurts. Does it, Steve, to have a guy that's got Illinois background? I think. Well, you got two now with Justin Frazier and uh, yeah. Jeff Alexander. Yeah, and he's got another spot open, and the, I'm sure he knows who it'll be. I mean, he, he hasn't told us, but he's interviewed a lot of people. We hear that. Some are coming and, and, and that might be coming, and some that have ter- maybe turned him down. Well, so, Howard, keep your chin up. Man, it's not all bad. Well, I'm going to get off the, off the ledge now, I think. So. Oh, okay. yeah. There's nothing to be concerned. That's concerned about. There's nothing wrong internally. Glad uh, we could help. Thanks for the call. All right, we appreciate thank you. it. Thank you. Yep, 9-11 is the time. The phone line is open, 217-356-9397. If you'd like to join us, we'll take a break. We've got plenty more to talk about, but before we go to break, congratulations to the Parkland College I'll men's say. golf team, coached by Corbin Siebens, yep. national champions. A Monticello man. That's right. Can't hold them down. One by two shots. They went into the final round over in Plymouth, Indiana. This is the Division II Junior College National Championships. They went into that final round with a one-shot lead. They ended up adding one shot to that and winning it. So uh, Corey Neville, Alex White, Scott O'Brien, Joel Peterson, Jack Halstead, members of the uh, Parkland College Cobras men's golf team national champions. First time that uh, Parkland has uh, sported a national championship golf team. So congratulations to them. We'll take a break. 
We're going to talk things over with Jason Hegemeyer from the U of I about uh, tickets coming up, and we'll do that. He's going to open it up, isn't he, Jason? He's going to open up all the seats? We're going to find out after this time out. Stay <laughs> with right. us on the line I put off Saturday Sports Talk. We're at Bromley Hall at the Kiwanis Pancake Breakfast. Love to see you. Come on out. Welcome back to the show, everybody. Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're with you until 11 o'clock today at the Kiwanis Club's annual pancake breakfast at Bromley Hall. Jason Hagemeyer, the ticket manager at the University of Illinois, is with us. Good morning, Jason. Good to see you. Good morning. It's good to see you guys in person. It's good to be out and about, and it feels good. It feels like there's a little bit of energy in here, which is nice. And as things uh, start to... Uh, to get back opened up, you're going to kind of get us up to date on what you know about uh, Illinois football and the later basketball coming up. Yeah, I mean, we could talk football first. I mean, things right now are obviously locally are, are starting to progress. You're starting to see th- more and more things open up. Uh, we have been planning all along for a full capacity. Now, we're obviously waiting uh, for local health officials to, to to tell us, you know, what what any guidelines would be applicable in the fall. But look, I mean, it's May right now. It's not it's not July and August, and so it's premature to start predicting what those things are. But look, the tea leaves look good right now. If you're reading them, if you're reading the signs, it looks good. And so, we're not operation that can just launch in two or three weeks and, and get something done we we're planning for full capacity and you know it, I think things are looking positive in that direction and we're going to keep moving in that direction uh, until we're told that it needs to be you know, scaled back so does it look like outdoors is going to be ahead of indoor well, I mean, football. Look, I mean, all basketball. along, outdoors. Obviously, you know what they're saying is that it's safer than being indoors. And I would, I would assume that there's, you know, um, and for us, you know, we do have volleyball coming up in the fall, so we do have some indoor things that are going to be occurring. But, um, you know, when we when we talk football, things are looking pretty good right now. Look, I'm not the governor, and I'm not the local health officials, right? I follow all their guidelines. And, uh, and we will make sure we continue to do so and consult with campus officials and make sure we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. But right now our jobs are to prepare and we're preparing for full capacity. And when the day comes when they announce that we can do it, uh, I'll be one of the happiest people in Champaign. I just noticed that uh, the Royals in Missouri are going to full capacity right away. And I just wonder, since it is the state of Missouri, if the Illinois-Missouri game in St. Louis, the basketball game, would sound to me like that's out of the Illinois uh, concern. That's a good question. Yeah, that, that, that's a good question. I know, you know, when I'm sure there'll be discussions about that. But look, let's hope that's not a, a thing anymore, right? Let's hope that by the time we get to that game that that's not, that's not a discussion that needs to occur. So, I mean, you're seeing it happen all around us. You're seeing the state of Michigan just announced that, uh, and I saw announcements from Michigan State and Michigan that they're planning on having full crowds for this year you know you look to our neighbors around us and and some of those states are starting to open back up and declare that they'll have 100 percent capacity so i'm feeling really positive about it right and and so i'm you know my job right now is to plan and move forward and be ready for it when that announcement comes and i will let the health officials decide when the timing on that is right do you have any idea when that might be though <laughs> none no <laughs> none i'm not in that business no i like i said it, it's it's my job to prepare and i and Look, I mean, if we if if we got to the point like we did last year where we might have to scale back, I'll be ready to do that. But we're moving forward 100 percent. And I've given we've been given no indications either way. You know, no one has said to us, hey, it's going to be great. And no, everything is going to be fine. 
and no one has said, hey, you probably need to start playing. None of that has occurred. It's too early. Right. And so I'm, we're just planning and, and moving forward. Terrific baseball game played here yesterday. Yeah. There'll be another one today and perfect weather and another one Sunday. Yeah. And it's a crime that we couldn't have fans out there for that game. I mean, I mean it really, I mean, uh, I talked to Bob. I didn't talk to Bob Easter. He sent me a message, and he said, my son or grandson, I'm watching my grandson play ball here in town. Anytime, you know, they're, they're having, I don't know who he's talking, little league, mm-hmm. junior league, some kind of junior. He said, I'm watching my grandson play, and I can't go to see the uni- He's the president of the university, and he can't go to, out and see his own college team play. And it's a shame. Yeah, one of the things I love about this show is it's like walking into your local barbershop. You don't know yeah. what you're going to get, right? Like you're going to get all kinds of comments about how people are feeling around town. And look, I mean, I share some of those feelings, too, at certain points. Um, you know, but I think we're all aware that there's there's people that uh, make those decisions for our communities, and you know, it's my job to follow those guidelines. And and Absolutely. no matter yeah, and no matter how we feel, I mean, those people have the best intentions for us, and so we're going to continue. We've all along we've done the right thing. We've progressed and 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 done things exactly as they've asked us to do it, and we're going to continue to do that uh, because that that's our role. That's our role in in, in this whole COVID process and trying to keep people healthy. So. Yeah, it, it was a beautiful night out there, and uh, and, you, and you can look back in, in, in previous years, and I always tell people, like, that first hot Friday night when it's sunny, there, it's it's really fun to be out there watching And baseball. Illinois hitting yeah. doubles and home runs yeah. all over the place. Yeah. Fans and good r- pitching, too. I mean, it was, <laughs> and right, yeah, and shut out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Talking to Jason Hegemeyer, the uh, ticket manager for the University of Illinois, we do have the uh, phone lines open, 356-9397. Area code 217, of course, if you'd like to call, have any questions. What's the season ticket numbers, and how might that compare to, to recent years? Yeah, well, I mean, the positive thing for us is um, when we got shut down last year, uh, we had pretty much renewed a lot of people, and they kept their money with us. So we rolled their money forward into this year. Uh, we're, right now, you know, when you look at season tickets for us, I mean, look, we're not where we all want to be, um, but there are some positive signs. The renewal rate was really high. So the renewal rate from 2019 to 2021 is about just under 87 percent. Is that Bielema? Uh, I think that's a factor. I think. I think. Look. I mean. I, I think anybody who claims that they know these exact reasons doesn't doesn't have all the data. But like, yeah, he's a big part of it. I mean, there's a lot of positivity around the program right now, and I. I you know, I, I had a chance to meet with him a couple times about um, just planning for the fall. And, you know, look, I, as a 15-year vet here, I, you know, I try not to drink the, our own Kool-Aid sometimes. Like, I try to plan and move forward because I, I got to do my job regardless. But he's legit. I mean, when you meet with him, he is, I mean, aside from football, I'm not the guy to evaluate how someone coaches football, but he knows how to run a program. He is legit. He is in the details. He knows what he's doing. And I could not have been more excited when I came out of that meeting. He, so I'm really looking forward to the future and seeing what kind of program he develops. I think it had a tremendous impact on renewals. I also think people are ready to get out and about, and they're ready to come back and do some things. They're ready to get back to the things they love. And like I said already, we, we had a large majority of people that kept their money invested with us and rolled their money forward to 2021. Uh, so that all contributed to it. But there's no doubt about it when, when people get to see his his program running they're going to start to see how just how organized he is and how how much of a 
Yeah, I mean, I hate when people use the term CEO, but like he, he really does command an attention to detail in that in that operation. I'm we I'm notice really it in the media too. The media is very aware of what you're talking about. Yeah, it's well, and when you get the chance to like talk to him directly, it really comes through, mm-hmm. and you leave there going, "Wow, you know this." Usually, we're thinking about football and the things that happen on the field, and he's he's just legit. He knows what he's doing, and so I'm. Like I said, I'm pretty excited about working with him and, and, and helping him build the program. A uh, question on the text line about tickets. Will they be electronic? And if so, what if a, a customer does not have a smartphone? Yeah, it's like one of the most common questions we get, right? Um, so so we are moving forward. You know, Mobile tickets have been part of our strategy for a long time. We've been doing that for at least four years now. So... Um, as a season ticket holder, we're going to ask people sometime as it gets closer to the season, do you want to manage your tickets digitally or do you want us to print some tickets and send them to you? We'll give you the option. If you prefer having printed tickets, we will give you that option to do it. Now, it's not going to be the fancy booklet anymore. This is about you know functionality. Um, we're moving forward in, a, in the digital realm. You know, we're still going to give you the option to have a physical ticket. It's not going to look pretty with pictures on it anymore, but it'll have a barcode on it, and it'll have the opponent and the game date and time, much similar to what you would see if you bought a ticket for an individual game before. But we will offer the option to have a physical ticket. So if you don't have a smartphone, you don't have to worry. Um, we still want you to be a season ticket holder. We'll, we'll give you the opportunity to request uh, some, some printed tickets. Good question, good answer. What about Grange Grove? Are you... Uh how involved are you on the discussions around that? Not too much. I mean, I, I, you know, Cassie Arner um, mm-hmm. handles the programming in that area, and she does a good job with that. And, you know, I think there's still questions that need to be answered about what, you know, again, what are those events going to look like? And, you know, it, it's been one of the most challenging things for us as we move forward is that there's all different realms where we're thinking about where crowds are. They're out in the parking lots. They're inside the stadium. They're in Grange Grove. And you need to figure out, you know, what is your role in, in, in building that crowd, right? If um, there's a difference between having tailgating, which, by the way, we're planning on having full tailgating outside in the parking lots, right? We're not going to, ha- like, right now we're moving forward with having cars in the parking lots is just, just like we would normally. Um, but then you have to kind of examine, you know, what when, when, when we get to the fall, what is our role, though, in contributing to even greater crowds are we going to have a band out there where we're going to get a thousand people out there to come watch that band we don't know that yet right we don't know what that programming is going to be inside grange grove we want to do all those things and we want to get back to normal as fast as possible but we're going to wait for people to tell us what what they think is appropriate and what we should be doing and then we'll go from there but we'll be ready to act on that i know her team is planning on that programming right now and and hopefully, as we get closer to the fall, we'll be able to tell you guys what, what our plans are. You had another text message after your glowing uh, report on Brett Beal. I asking, I wonder if he would be able to run for governor. <laughs> <laughs> I'm stay, I stay out of the politics. Yeah, well, I know, but you'd be yeah. a good campaign manager for yeah. him. <laughs> well, yeah, I, yeah, I'm, I'm sure I could handle that campaign. But well, I tell you, the guy that, that said the thing about uh, Bielema that stuck with me is Patterson, who said that in four months – under Bielema, he learned more about football than he did in the re- previously. And, and I, I think that's obviously <laughs> what I'm talking about. And, and I, I think that Lovey uh, 
is a pro coach, and probably that's where he belongs, and, and it just didn't work in, at, at the college level for some reason. I don't, I'm not sure exactly why, but he brought a lot of pro coaches with him, and then this is all together. These are college coaches, college coaches with a head college coach. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, I had really good experiences with Lovey, and he's I, a good guy. I, yeah, I liked him a lot, and I think that we all have strengths, and I think there's all things that we're good at. You know, I'm not, I'm not in the position to be able to evaluate football coaches, right? I'm, that's not who I am, and so. Um, but I, w- I, but I can comment on when I, when I just, I feel things and, you know, my meeting with coach for the first couple times was awesome. I mean, it was, it was great. And, and it wasn't about football. It was about the things that I work on every day. And he was, he was into the details with me and it was great to talk with him and get feedback about those things. And so I'm excited about the direction that he sees for his program. And I'm excited to work with him on that. There was a, a lot of strange things over the last 14 months that we've all had to deal with in uh, our personal lives, our jobs, and, and whatever, just to, to to get by. One of the strangest, I think, was watching a basketball game at the State Farm Center with uh, yeah, how about that? With 189 people in there, whatever the, that count was that night, and, and such a good basketball team. It's really a shame that uh, the fans couldn't see that team. Yeah, really, really odd experience, right? Because we're used to that place being so loud. And um, ironically, I mean, I had one of the more enjoyable years because obviously I wasn't working selling tickets. I, I went and watched every game and I got to hear everything. There's the, 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 you know, the, <laughs> right. the volume noise in there. I could hear every discussion happening. Uh, you could hear uh, emotion from the players on the court. And it's a shame that people couldn't experience that for themselves although had we been in a full house you know you probably wouldn't have heard any of those things but yeah it was really fun and it was a for me it was a chance to kind of just reconnect with what I love about working in college sports is that you know none of us none of us grow up with a dream to be a a ticket manager like no one even knows what that is Um, but we do have a dream and and we know that we want to be around athletics we know you know when we play it when that day is done you kind of know I miss it and I want to be around that. And so for me, I got to reconnect this year with some of the things I really love and that's being close to these teams and, and feeling a part of it again. I mean, it's hard to do when you're working on home game days to really absorb what's happening on the field. Yeah. You know, you could ask me on Sunday, Hey, what happened during the football game? I'd say, I don't know. I didn't watch until after halftime, you know? Mm -hmm. And so for me, it was, one of the great things was just being able to reconnect with what I love about it and watching these teams compete. And, well, you know, we hope that you missed the first half this year. Yeah, I do, too. <laughs> I do, too. I do, too. Jason, uh, any final words that you, you want to pass along to the uh, future ticket buyers? Yeah, I mean, well, we are on sale for football, right? So mm-hmm. we obviously we're selling tickets. We have we still have all the great options that we've always had. We're still we have the iFund family four pack, which I mean, come on, if you don't know the value of this yet, like I'm going to break it down real fast. You can buy four tickets for three hundred and ninety nine dollars. And that's going to include a hundred dollar gift to the iFund, which gets you a parking pass. So I challenge you to find any other power five school in the country that's offering that kind of value and that kind of deal. We are really looking to build this thing. We're trying to get people inside the stadium. Um, we're planning on it being full and we're, and again, you know, with coach, you can kind of see the direction this program is going and we, we, we need people to get in from the ground up. We need that opener. We're going to be the first game of the entire season. 
Boys that, that matters. Be a big one. It's yeah, I mean, it is, and it, and I'll tell you, it matters a lot. This game does matter a lot, and it's the first one, and so it's our chance to get back out. It's our chance to get back in the stadium, and you know what we're all hoping for. As soon as those local officials say go, man, it's going to be a sprint to that game because I, you know, I can't wait. I hope, I hope that by that when that time happens, I hope that when we walk into that stadium for week zero. That it's it's just hopping and, and only and we're game ready in the only game in the country. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The only one that matters. matters. <laughs> the only one that matters is me. Yeah. Good stuff, Jason. Always good to catch up with you. We'll do it again soon. Yeah, sounds good. Always willing to come. Thanks, Thank guys. You. Jason Egemeyer is with us at 9:30 WDWS Champaign Urbana Illinois Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We'll take a timeout and be back with more from Bromley Hall on campus. Stay with us. Welcome back to the program at 9.32. This is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. We're at the Kiwanis Club's annual pancake breakfast. Good to see the folks back out and about around uh, central Illinois. And they're serving breakfast here until 11 o'clock today at Bromley Hall on the University of Illinois campus. $7 gets you a nice pancake. And they have sausage, Ed? And yes, sir. Pancake. Okay. Yes, sir. And orange juice, even, <laughs> Ed Bond says. He's, Ed has, he's our food sampler. He's checked everything out. Happy to welcome uh, Mike Poeta with us, uh, the new wrestling coach here. Been on the job, what, about a month or so now, Mike, but good to see you here. Thank you. Yeah, I think I know how long I've been on the job based off weeks because I had a baby three weeks beforehand, <laughs> wow. and she's eight, so five weeks. So there you go. So you're keeping busy, obviously. What do you got going on? You got the guys in workouts now? Yeah, so we're working out right now. There's a tournament next weekend, a big one for college wrestlers that we're training really hard for. Uh Today we're mixing it up, doing a little fun competition with our training with the guys. Uh, almost uh, a little bit of a reward. They've been they've been training really hard. You're a former Illinois wrestler, former mm-hmm. All-American, Big Ten champion. When this job came open, you had been assistant on the uh, staff for five years. Is this kind of a can, can you overuse the term dream job? Would this fall in that category for you? I, it has to be because it's really the only job I would I would want. Right. So there's one, there's one job I would want. Um, and and I have it. So I consider myself really, really lucky when I was going through the program when I was 18 to 23 years old. If someone told me I was going to be the head coach one day, I don't, I don't know what I would think if they said that. So it's, uh, it's very, very cool to me that, that, that this kind of became a reality. Well, talk about recruiting in wrestling. When, when do you do most of it? When, when, how, and, and how difficult is it to recruit against the likes of Iowa, for example? Well, it's really difficult and it's really competitive, so you have to stay on the kids a lot and really show to them and prove to them how much you want them and how much you care about them and the things that you'll do for them uh, when, you're, when they're here. Um, the, the good thing being in the state of Illinois is we're a really, really good wrestling state, so that's to our advantage. So proximity-wise, uh, it helps us with recruiting. But when we're competing against those teams, we got to just like we have to out wrestle them. And they it's it's easier for them to get kids than than us right now being ranked about 15th. So uh, we just have to beat them. We have to do a better job. Does it help to move back into the assembly hall, the State Farm Center? Yeah, I think so, because wrestlers in the state of Illinois, the State Farm Center is probably the most important building in their life, more so than their house that they live in. It's the That's me- where they want to get to, isn't it? It's, it's where they want to be. It's where they want to experience that glory. They go to the high school state tournament when they're in elementary school, junior high, and the thought of themselves being out there for the state finals or winning the state championships is a, is a dream that 
they don't know if is possible one day. So the ones that have a lot of success in Assembly Hall that in the State Farm Center, that building means so much to them. And to know that they can continue their career wrestling in it, I think is an advantage with recruiting. But at the same time, you brought up with recruiting the likes of Iowa, the likes of Penn State. They wrestle in rocking places, and they have big crowds. And if we want to be uh, the most successful program in the country, we need to match our um, – our our in match experience for the guys for the fans it has to kind of rival that that level of professionalism well i, I just wonder uh, what does it take to get it takes you have to win to get the fans out and the uh, fans come out and then you i mean which comes first you know it's, winning, it's, chi it's chicken or egg so if you guys have any suggestions uh, before <laughs> before we get the egg i would definitely love to take them i'm i'm open to advice from anyone yeah it's uh how how do we get the the fans in the crowd before we're the number one team so i mean i need to do a, a really good job on my part just marketing and promotions and and then the guy's wrestling has to speak for itself. It has to be a draw. It has to be really exciting. And I have some ideas about how to make the actual experience in there better. Well, I was going to ask you about this because Huff, you're, really, you're in close in and you can see the wrestlers really close up. Mm -hmm. Is it going to be the same in the State Farm Center? I mean, the seats are further back. Yeah, logistically, the setup, I'm not exactly sure, but hopefully it's 15,000 people where it doesn't matter. <laughs> We're talking Illinois wrestling with Mike Poeta. You got some big big shoes to fill in uh, Jim Heffernan and Mark Johnson before mm -hmm. that. Uh, I know that figured into your, your decision to take this job. Dealing yeah. with those guys. Oh, no, absolutely. Those were guys that I leaned on during this, uh, like, interview process of trying to get hired. I took a lot of advice from them, and they're, uh, they're two of the biggest role models in my life. Did Mark Johnson happen to tell you to look out for me? Because uh, <laughs> I've been known to wrestle a little bit with him, but I won't do it again with you. <laughs> no, well, I learned I'm, my I'm, lesson sure, I'm sure he's assaulted you on 20 occasions. <laughs> He wound up on his back. <laughs> yeah. This is an old, uh, this story gets better with with time, but it was at the golf course one day, and uh, I went up behind him, and I said, hey, coach, I, can I show you this new move I've got? I, I call it the special K. Yeah. Next thing I knew, I was up on his, on his shoulders. The next thing I knew, I was on my back right in the middle of the, the snack bar there, and I said, five bucks if you let me reverse you and pin you. <laughs> he said, go for it. But that's the only, that's the only time, but he, he'd like to get into little tussles like that. Oh, absolutely. He's probably punched every single one of his wrestlers a hundred <laughs> times, and, and it's been uh, like tough love in a sense. We love every second of it. Well, do you still wrestle with your wrestlers? I still wrestle with them. So I probably, as the assistant was wrestling anywhere from three to five times a week, uh, now as the head coach, I, I probably need to pull that back a little bit. You wrestled at 157. Mm -hmm. It looked like you could still do that. Yeah, well, I'm around that weight still. I honestly, during the interview process, I think I lost about 10 pounds from stress. <laughs> so I'm normally not this skinny, uh, and I know it'll start coming back. But, yeah, I can still kind of wrestle with the guys. I think I have three to five more good years in me. Didn't you know uh, pretty well in advance that this was Heffernan's last year? No, I, I truly didn't know. Oh, you didn't know? I, I knew that it was at some point in, in the near future, but it, it actually caught me a little bit off guard. So he still had, I think, two or three years left on his contract. I think in the back of my mind, it was I thought that he was just going to see that out. My, I, I never once thought about being the head coach during that process. I mean, I knew that I wanted to be, but 
I, my 100% focus was I just have to be the best assistant coach to have that, that I could possibly be. I'm not going to once think about wanting his job or having his job. I'm, I'm going to make his job easier in the meantime. Talking uh, wrestling with Mike Poeta, the new wrestling coach. What about your staff? Is it uh, complete now? Well, we have we have three of the five positions filled. Okay. There's two more I'm still looking for. Uh, I've been talking with people that I that I really want to get and that are they're interested in it. But it's a it's a big decision for them also. I think what made it a little more difficult to find an assistant coach at the timing right now is because the NCAA gave everyone a sixth year. So there's not as many kids oh. graduating and going into coaching. Everyone's coming back. Well, so. how many of yours are coming back? Well, every every kid in college got an extra year. Right, but so, how many you you would know though the seniors that are coming back, the super seniors. Oh, but they're they're all coming back. All coming across back. the country. Yeah, it's it's really? it's insanely rare for a kid not to, uh, to have an opportunity to be another time national champ or an all American and add to your credentials that you have for the rest of your life. Everyone's taking that opportunity. I, they're not ready to just move on to life. They, so you don't lose a single player off this team. No, it's the it's the exact same team next year, and it's the same team for every every school across the country it's a pretty wild is that year. right well that's yeah. different than most sports isn't it? i mean not not every sport's doing that i think they gave everyone no i know they all have it year. but i i mean i'm just saying everybody's not taking advantage of oh it. you know what i'm i'm not sure wrestlers are I, I i feel like we're a little more obsessed with our sport than some other people everyone <laughs> so i think there's like no there's no chance guys really won't take advantage of that i mean i i told guys if they gave 15 years i'd still be wrestling right now if they just kept giving years so <laughs> well there's no professional or yeah. The professional opportunities that basketball or football has. So yep. there's a difference there for yeah. for somebody wanting to But Frazier and Damati Williams are coming back in basketball. Those two. Right. Yeah, so, I, I like seeing that. You yeah. were telling us before we uh, we came on with you about the strongman competition you've got going on for your uh, team of pulling trucks and cars mm-hmm. and such. And Lord got uh, got excited about that. He thought he <laughs> might try to enter. Tell, tell us what you're doing with that and why you're doing it. Well, we're throwing him on Luffman's team, so he'll be he'll he'll be all right. He's got the two hundred and fifty pounder, uh, but the guys have been training really, really hard. And uh, even though it it is a workout, but it's fun and it's competitive, and it's the same as what you used to see on ESPN, the strongman competition, when where they'd be throwing kegs over some uh, some certain height and uh, pulling trucks and things like that. So uh, we do have. We do have kegs. We have sleds for them to push. We have a tug-of-war thing, and we're going to break them up into teams. It's going to be really competitive, and I told the winning team I'd take them out to pizza for pizza. And uh, I honestly, I think that's what's going to make them work really hard. It's just for a piece of pizza. The Big, the big I, Ten. It is Papa Dallas. The Big Ten and wrestling. I mean, it's, it's so competitive. If you're, if you're uh, in the uh, top, you could be in the top ten nationally and be midway in the in the pack in the Big mm-hmm. Ten, and you know what it feels like to be on a Big Ten champion. You did that, so I'm sure that's something you're trying to to uh, get to your guys, mm-hmm. and that's where you want to be again. Absolutely, that's the the sole goal. Uh, I said it all along. I want to take us from great to elite because I was in a fortunate position of usually when a new coach takes over, it's because a coach got fired and the team is is uh, not doing so hot. So I'm taking over an actual great team that has a great foundation, but we were 18th in the country. And to me, it's not that it's it's unacceptable. It's we can do so much better than that. And I truly believe that we can catch those those best teams and be one of the best teams in the Big Ten and across the country and i'm super motivated and uh competitively know that we can get there how difficult is it going to be for jim heffernan to retire 
Well, I'm not really sure. I, I want him around as much as possible. Sure. Like I, I really uh, want to lean on him for advice. And there's so many things that I learned from him. So and I and I feel like at, when I start coaching, I'm going to continue to lean on him and, and learn from him. But he has uh, obviously an open invitation to practice. So if he wants to put his singlet on and come up and <laughs> wrestle with us, it's, it's always welcome. Well, so, the great thing is that you're going to be back in the State Farm Center and you ought to have good a turnout next year. I look forward to coming out and seeing some of the match. I love wrestling. I just, but uh, this is a tough year when you can't have fans. This, you know, it just it takes something away from it. Yeah, it it was difficult. It was weird, um, but everyone had to deal with it. Weird is a good word. <laughs> the last uh-huh. the last fourteen months or so has been weird in so many different ways. Well, Mike, we appreciate you coming by, and good to see you again. And uh, best of luck. And we'll be talking to you along the way. All right. Thank you guys for having me. You Thanks, bet. Mike. Thanks. That was fun. That's Mike Boetta, the wrestling coach at the University of Illinois. It is 945. We'll take a break and be back with more. We're at Bromley Hall at the Kiwanis Club's Pancake Breakfast. Stay with us back after this. It is moving up on 947 on a line Saturday Sports Talk with Lauren Tate. I'm Steve Kelly. We're with you until 11 o'clock. The phone line is open. 217-356-9397 if you would like to join us. And we're broadcasting live from the CU Kiwanis Club's Pancake Breakfast, which goes on until 11. We're at Bromley Hall on campus. If you'd like to come out, they are serving, as I mentioned, until 11. Pretty good size crowd here. It's been pretty steady this morning as people are getting uh, back out and about in the community. Thanks to uh, Mike Poeta for joining us and spending some time with us, and Jason Hegemeyer also in the first hour. Brett Stillwell is here now, the Senior Associate Athletic Director for Capital Projects and Facilities. That's a big title. How you doing, Brett? Good to see you again. Good to see you guys. Thanks for having me again. It's been a couple of years. You, we've been sitting right here talking about uh, things and uh, projects. Uh, get us up to date on What's keeping you busy? There's a lot of uh, construction equipment I see around over around campus. Uh, just yeah. kind of bring us up to date. We do have a lot of construction going on. Yeah, the last time I was here, I was uh, honored to be with Lou Henson the last right. time here. So mm-hmm. uh, that was a great show as well. So, yeah, we have a lot of construction going on. Uh, good part of the athletic campus torn up. We've got the uh, baseball and softball training facilities uh, fully under construction. Uh, steel arrived for the baseball package, and so that's going to go vertical pretty quickly. Um, the oven project, uh, we've cleared the site. It's ready to go as well, and so uh, a lot of moving parts. We've got a small addition to the uh, golf facility as well, which has been under construction for a while, but it's kind of tucked away back in there. And then, of course, Atkins Golf Club, we're preparing for next spring. So. We'll talk, going on. we'll talk a little more about uh, some of those things as well. But this afternoon, you've got the dedication for the uh, Demersion Park, which opened up, had the Big Ten Championship uh, last week. That was nice. Yeah, we've already put our new track facility uh, to good use. We had the relays. We had the Big Ten Championships, which went really, really well. Uh, thrilled with that. Um, and then now today we have the Gary Winnicky track dedication, and so big event there today. I wanted to ask about tennis. Um, there's um, is it, next year you'll be hosting the national championships for for men's tennis. Is there anything you have to do to change the arrangements or anything to to fit the national requirements? Yeah, I mean, I think 
we, we've already done a good portion of those. We'll be resurfacing all the tennis courts this summer, the end of this summer. So we'll have those uh, fully ready for the championships. We're also expanding the parking lot. Since we have so much construction going on right now, we have a lot of areas already occupied. And so we're expanding the Atkins parking lot. And then there's just a number of things as far as moving in stands, doing um, additional things to get ready for those Are you championships. you put stands behind the seats that you have there now? Yes, yeah. And so fortunately we held the championships I should know, but maybe 2013, something like that. So we, we held the championships previously, so we have some good experience. Zach Acton is uh, great with our events group, and uh, he's been through the routine before. So uh, we'll set it up very similar to the way we did the last time. Has anybody other than – I'm going to ask about Ohio State, but has anybody uh, in the northern part of the country hosted before, recently? Um, I was going to say we have, and then they've had a few other events. I couldn't tell you specific sites, but, you know, I think you're correct. A good portion of them in, are more in the southern or the uh, western states. So we're, we're honored to have the championships, and we'll be ready for it. So Okay, now, Ubbin, I'm trying to figure out. You've got so much uh, cleared around <laughs> over there, I can't figure out where the, the new addition is going to be, actually. I was going to say the reason the whole site around the building is cleared is because we're actually putting additions on all four sides of the building. Oh, you're kidding. We're going to completely engulf uh, what is the existing uh, oven practice facility. Uh, the two basketball courts on the east and west ends will be expanded. Uh, to be larger, so the practice court's expanded. New office addition on the south end, so facing St. Mary's, and we'll put a new entry onto St. Mary's as well. So the primary entry for Ubbin come in off of uh, St. Mary's. All the uh, office suites for the coaches will be there, and then that's where the main lobby will be. And then on the north portion of it, facing out towards the athletic campus, facing okay. towards Kirby, yeah. uh, will be all of the player spaces. So large weight room, large sports med, all new locker rooms, all new uh, player lounges. It's, it's quite an undertaking. And so uh, we'll, we'll double the square footage of the existing building. Discuss the challenges that you've had to deal with with the COVID pandemic over the last uh, 12 to 14 months and how the construction appears to be still going on, at least from our point of view. I'm sure it's different maybe in your mind, but what kind of issues has that given you? Yeah, it, it's created some, um, some significant changes to the way we do things, obviously, for everyone and including construction. Fortunately for the projects that we have underway right now, the majority of those projects were already loaded, funded, a good portion of the design work already done, and so those projects were already in the queue before COVID hit. You know, one of the impacts is certainly in the way of uh, delivery of materials uh, has been slowed down significantly. Demersion Park, we actually delivered later than we would have liked. We wanted to try and get that done in the late fall. Instead, we finished it in the early spring. And a good portion of that was material delays. And then uh, a lot of the construction labor crews had been reduced. And I don't think people were overly anxious to kind of refill that. Uh, they had with, to wear a mask, I suppose. With the uncertainty. Yep. All the construction, we had uh, social distancing, we had spacing, uh, everyone wearing masks. So uh, it was a different construction environment for sure. What about the costs? If, Are those locked in for a project like this or do they fluctuate? Yeah, yeah, but delays always seem like they cost more money. Right. Yep. Yeah, delays uh, typically add cost. 
Um, we held pretty firm to some pricing on stuff, but but a good portion of it we did take into consideration the the COVID situations, and it did add some dollars to the projects. Uh, anytime you extend time, you extend dollars. So, are you, are you involved in in that aspect of the financing of it at all? Um, I work at Susan Young, our uh, great. Uh, CFO who's now retiring, uh, but uh, she she does an amazing job of keeping track of all the dollars, tracking them back with campus. I work closely with Susan and try to provide, um, you know, the construction costs, the construction changes, uh, so that she can work back and forth with campus. Um, I work with campus to a degree, but primarily Susan. We've talked uh, with others, uh, Kent Brown included, and Josh Whitman over time, about how how things change so quickly when you have something that's state-of-the-art and 10 years later it's not. And it's kind of an arms race, isn't it? it? It really is. And that's one reason we try to build them as quickly as we can because you're exactly right. The technology that we put in right now uh, will be old technology by the t you know two or three years when we get a building built. So we try to get ahead of that. We stay on the edge. We've actually changed some technology midstream in a project uh, to make sure that it's updated uh, by the time the project's complete. So you're, you're right, it's a moving target, and our competitors are doing the same thing, and so we want to be on the very cutting edge when the building's complete. I think of oven when I say that. Ten years is an exaggeration because it was more like 20 years. Yeah. But uh, the fact that uh, that's undergoing change now, and what seemed to me like just yesterday, it was best in the country. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, oven's 22 years old. Um, you know, we've kept it up. But uh, quite honestly, you're right. It was state of the art, and people actually—you can see facilities almost identical to have been built other places because they emulated it. Um, now we've looked at our competitors, and um, you know, bigger and better. I think the player spaces. I think the coaching staffs, player spaces. There's higher expectations. Coaching staffs have expanded. You know, if you looked at our office space right now, the coaches are really crammed in there. So this expansion will take care of that as well. Well, I, I, I dread to ask, but do you have anything more in the plans? I mean, when I see so much dirt, is, is there any sport that, that hasn't had a change in the last year or two? Yeah, I mean, we, we try, we have a master plan. Uh, we, we, we've uh, pretty much impl implemented that. We had six projects we were going to complete within five years. Uh, COVID's put a little bit of the dent in that. The projects that I've named already, uh, the track, Demersion Park Stadium, uh, Smith Center, Ubbin, Baseball, and Softball were those six projects, and we are uh, going to have them done. Baseball, get, baseball and softball get completed spring of next year, spring of 22, and then uh, Ubbin basketball will be fall of 22. So about uh, half, a, we actually started this, it'll be five years in August, and so about about a year late okay, on that. Okay, what's so, next? <laughs> so what's next is, uh, you know, it, we're certainly excited about the new football coach and all of the uh, f um, football excitement coming up. I think we'll have a great football team. I think our basketball team's rolling, so uh, we should have some increased revenues and looking forward to doing some work on Memorial Stadium. So Not, not the end zone. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, no, we love the horseshoe. We're, we love the horseshoe. We're going to leave it the same forever. Uh, no. The, uh, the there, South. There, there, we've been talking about that horseshoe for how long? 30 years? Yep. <laughs> so we'll look to uh, uh, hopefully as uh, revenues increase and hopefully some, some generous gift giving, um, take uh, put an addition on the south end zone and then also 
uh, renovate the East Side Stadium. When you say, okay, are you talking about moving the, the horseshoe in? Um, you know, we had, a, we had architects actually look at a design that we're pretty excited about for the yeah. south end zone. Uh, it would put stands back in in the south end zone, but then would also kind of um, embrace uh, Kirby Avenue there, create a plaza and stuff, make for a really nice entrance off of, off of Kirby as well. So um, it, it would step back a little bit from Kirby Avenue, but would be a, a wonderful addition. We'll let you go here in just a minute. I know you got a busy day, but I was taking a walk the other day out around uh, Stone Creek, uh, the Atkins Golf Club. Yeah. Noticed uh, some work being done there. One of the greens, uh, at least one of the greens, has been uh, taken out. And uh, Oh, really? Where? Make, uh, it would be the 13th green, okay. par 3 uh-huh. there. That uh, is one. But get us up to date on what's going on there. Yeah, so that's an exciting project uh, as well. A tremendous gift from the Atkins family to us. And so we are making renovations to both the golf course and the buildings. Uh, the stuff that you see underway, we've planned. There'll be um, movement of uh, redoing of a number of the greens. A lot of the tees will get redone, uh, reshaping bunkers and reshaping fairways. You know, it's, it's a challenge to make it a competition venue for our uh, golf team, which is a tremendous golf team, and then also make it really, really good for the everyday player. And so I think I think we've accomplished that, and I'm excited about it. I can't wait to play it. Um, and then uh, we're remodeling both buildings that are there. There's a north and south building. The old, old Kennedy's restaurant will renovate into the new pro shop, which is oh, really? uh, okay. it'll be more expanded. We'll have apparel in there, uh, similar to the old pro shop uh, when it was Stone Creek, where. Uh, a lot of Illini par- uh, apparel in there and kind of a destination spot for that. And then we'll reno- uh, we have working on the restaurant as well and renovating that in the old at- uh, Addy space. So a lot of exciting stuff going on there and uh, should be ready by spring. We're trying to have it all renovated this fall and hopefully uh, we'll have something to show in the fall and very playable in the spring. It's good to have a lot of friends of the program, isn't it? Oh, uh, it for, is. for all these projects to, to be able to... To keep going through uh, the last uh, year or so? Yes, it absolutely is. I mean, none of this happened. You know, you guys know that we don't get uh, state money and we don't get student fee money. This is all uh, revenue-generated TV money and then uh, private gift giving. And that is a primary source for how these buildings get built. And so I can't say enough about our donors and what they've done for us. Hey, Brett, we appreciate your time. Always good to see you. It's good to see you. Thanks again, guys. You Thank bet. you. All right, see you. That's Brett Stilwell. We want to squeeze in a phone call here before we uh, go to break at 10 o'clock. Jim in Peoria has been hanging on for a little bit. Uh, go ahead, Jim. Yes, I wanted to tell you how much I enjoy your uh, show. I listen to it on the podcast uh, usually, and uh, you have great interest in guests, and uh I'm glad, I'm glad, Steve, that you came that back you came to there because I think uh, Lauren, Lauren have great chemistry. I hope you guys uh, continue for years. <laughs> All right, Jim, we appreciate that. Anything else on your mind? Oh, I had an old recruiting story, but you probably ha- don't have time right now, I guess. Well, go ahead. How how quick is it? Uh, well, I'll. I uh, bumped into uh, East St. Louis Lincoln coach Benny Lewis after a banquet several years ago, and I asked him if Lafonso Ellis ever considered going to Illinois, and he said that uh, that uh, that he was that the Illinois assistant coaches were there all the time, and that he was going to Illinois. 
and at the and last, last minute, minute some, uh, uh, he changed his mind, and his, the words he described that he says somebody got to him. So <laughs> I thought that was interesting. Your uh, listeners might want to hear that. All right, Jim, thanks very much. We appreciate uh, your comments and uh, that uh, story. And as far as the chemistry between uh, Lauren and I goes, it's, it's not always what uh, you hear on the air. <laughs> there, there's a backstory to that, right? So we, uh, we appreciate that very much. It is, uh, Brett, again, thank you very much for your time. It is uh, 10.01. The first hour is in the books on WDWS Champaign-Urbana. We've got more in the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk coming up after this. Stay with us. It's the second hour of Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. Join the program by calling 217-356-9397 or send a text to the Castle Heating and Cooling text line 217-351-5357. Here again are your hosts, Lauren Tate and Steve Kelly. Welcome back to the program. We've got another uh, little bit less than an hour to go here on the show, heading towards 11 o'clock, and that's the same amount of time. If you're out and about, you have uh, to stop by here and get a pancake breakfast. We're at the Kiwanis Club's annual pancake breakfast at Bromley Hall on campus. $7 gets you breakfast, and uh, as the Kiwanis Club begins its 100th year, of existence. Thanks to uh, all the guests in the first hour of the show, Jason Hegemeyer, Mike Poeta, and Brett Stilwell. We're going to talk some baseball now. We'll keep the lines open, too, if you want to jump in. A couple of baseball experts are with us. One is a golf expert as well, as well Bill Small. Good the, morning, guys. The proud father of the Big Ten, in my mind, coach of the year every year, Mike Small. Mike couldn't be here with us, Bill. You're not, uh, you're not our second choice. I, I want to make that clear, but I did ask Mike first. <laughs> but, I would expect that. <laughs> he, uh, he, is take, he took his team to Chicago today to play. Yep, they brought the Butler. They're playing at Butler before heading out to Arizona for the NCAA championships. And Bill's a big Cubs fan. Joe Thompson is with us, local golf legend himself. He's a big Cardinal fan. Big Cardinal fan. One, one is happier than the other today. Bill said, uh, you know, he didn't get enough information about that uh, Cubs game in the uh, paper and such last night uh, because it was a little bit later. But Bill's got his blue shirt on. Joe's got his red shirt on. <laughs> so the bragging rights, at least for the next few minutes, reside with you. Uh, how are you feeling about the Cubs so far, Bill? I think it's too early to tell. Uh, I've been a Cub fan, gosh, I think I saw my first game in Wrigley Field in 1948. So I've been a Cub fan a long time. But it, it's, it's a crazy season. You know, with, uh, there's so many injuries. I know the Cardinals, I'm sure, have had some. But the Cubs have had lots of injuries, which have really prevented them, I think, from finding who in the heck's going to play where and when. Uh, you know, Peterson's been on the I.L. Um, Horner, Hap's been on the I.L. Hayward's on it now, but he's being replaced. Rizzo's missed a bunch of games. Uh, our good rookie pitcher, who uh, they're using in relief, but they pr probably would use him as a starter later on. He, he's on IL now. He pulled a hamstring running the bases the other day. And he's he's going to be a good one. This is across, to, across Major League Baseball right now. Yeah, the, the number of people on IL. Why is it more so Joe Thompson? Why? Oh, gosh. Um, a lot of people think it's because they missed a year. And um, 
you know, came out with a shorter spring training. And I think it was over 200 uh, players in the first three weeks of Major League Baseball that went on the IL, especially the pitchers who haven't had the kind of workload. And, you know, uh, spring training isn't enough these days to get these guys uh, stretched out. And so you see pitchers dropping like flies, and the Cardinals have run into that already. And I think Bill makes a great point. It really is too early to tell for anybody because – you don't know how the injuries are going to mount for either team or both teams throughout the year. And so I think that's what everybody's up against right now. Bill, your thoughts on, on the injuries? I think it's what Joe said. I think they've missed, what, a year, almost a year and a half. They missed uh, spring training's been reduced. Uh, well, they I mean, but they had, they had a portion of the season last year. I mean, the guys got in shape for that. Yeah, but there were a lot of injuries last year, too. Yeah. There was a lot of injuries. But it just seems like there's more injuries these days than there were 10 years ago, 20 years ago. Maybe I'm missing something, but. No, I think you're spot on on that. Guys just throw so much harder now. And, uh, and swing harder. And swing harder, <laughs> too. But, yeah, it's, or it's in different. Or in the case of Carlos Martinez, you celebrate a home run by another player and you sprain your ankle. <laughs> <laughs> and you're out for a while. So there's all kinds of ways to get hurt, I guess. That's well, right. the weather has something to do with it, too. You know. Yeah, that, that's a good uh, point. Uh, it's just not turning, the, in it? Exactly right. The first three weeks, at least for the Cubs, uh, uh, was horrendous weather. You know, you'd watch the ball games, and they'd have on their stocking caps, and they'd have gloves on in a dugout. And I think that has something to do with it, too. Well, as you know, you know, if you're not warmed up and not uh, loose enough in that cold weather, you're going to pull a muscle. The batting average now, what, Joe, is at uh, 236. 236 now? And falling. Explain that. Well, several factors. Used to be if you hit 300, you were. You were a heck of a hitter, right. and that was only well, 30% of what you could. You know, but now, analy- 236. Analytics have taken over every sport, but I think baseball more so than the other sports. There, there's and, your answer right there. And the shifts, I mean, poor old Matt Carpenter just woke up one morning and realized, you know what? I don't know if I can do this. They're, they're, they're positioned right where I want to hit it. <laughs> I agree with that. If they would make one change, which they won't make this one, I'm sure, but if they make one change, it would be to get rid of the shift. I know watching watching the Cubs this year, I mean, perfect example, Rizzo's probably lost 20 hits this year by hitting shots yeah. right into the shift. Yeah. And every team's doing it, you know. And but I th- that doesn't explain the strikeouts, which are at the, at the highest rate in the history of baseball. Well, the pitchers are throwing harder and the batters are afraid they're going to get hit in the head. Well, well, that, that's that, true. That, that, that's part of the problem. And a lot, a lot of batters are getting oh, hit. Oh, yes. Well, the other thing that we haven't spoke about yet is that almost every player now is buying into a higher launch angle on their swing. So your bat is not in the zone when the ball is there for as big a period of time. They figured out that you have to find your way onto second base somehow or another because – if you just end up with a single, it's usually three hits to score one run, and in any one inning, the average is only 8% of the time does a team get three hits in one inning. So everybody's goal is to hit a double or more, and so you don't get that by just centering a ball up the middle. Talking by the way, about, centering a ball up the middle doesn't work anymore either because there's, might be a there's double a guy or somebody right behind second base. <laughs> But I think that's true. The launch angle, uh, I think it's going to be reversed. Perfect example, that is Bryant this year. 
you know, he's having so far an MVP year. Yeah, he is. And what he did all last offseason is get rid of the launching. He was one of the first ones, you know, to, to swing with the launch, something like that. And all last year, from what I've been told and I read, he, he got rid of that and he went to attack the top of the ball rather than the launch angle. And he's been hitting shots this year. He's, he's had a real good year so far. And it's because he's, he's not swinging up launching the ball like Joe said he's you know swinging on top of the ball and line driving it he seems to be able to hit the ball to all fields too which is a Mm -hmm. real help he plays all fields too (laughs) that's the thing that's got me confused I mean talking about Bryant he's started not just played started this year left field center field right field third base and first base yeah now i don't know how he can keep his sanity in a little over that. 40 games he's played what five positions that's exactly right starting you know just not you know coming in and i don't know what what's going to happen uh, duffy was playing real good at third base for the cubs now he got hurt and uh that's why bryant was moving around because duffy was playing well okay so, well let, let's uh, let's get around to the, what we really want to hear from and that's the Cubs versus the Cardinals. Who's, who's got the best team now? Who's got the best team for the future? What, what, where are the Cubs going from here, Bill? I think once they figure out who's going to be playing where, I, I think they're going to be okay. The question mark I have is their starting pitching. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think their relief pitching, uh, I think that's going to be fine. I, they've got enough middle relievers, I believe. They've got a couple of young guys that are they're trying to work in as reliefers to move the starters later on. And I, I think if they're starting pitching, can get quality starts, which they haven't had so far, uh, enough quality starts, that they're, they're going to be fine. I, I really think so. Uh, the position players, uh, once they settle on where Bryant's going to play and what they're going to do with Hayward, uh, I, I think they're going to be fine. Uh, but the pitching, they got the relief pitching with Kimbrough now. I think you know, he's, he's been very good this year. So I, I'm not concerned about that. I'm concerned about that they can get quality starts from their pitching. Then I think we're going to be okay. And, of course, if the injuries keep going, then, then that'll make a difference. But as of right now... Uh, what about the long-term uh, Cubs situation with the, the contracts that they have to deal with with Baez, Rizzo, and, and uh, Bryant right now? Well, they got some decisions to make. Uh, everybody thinks they're going to trade one or two of those guys or try to. I'm not convinced they're going to do that. I mean, we'll see, we'll see come July what's happening. But if Bryant has, is, is in July like he is right now, they're not going to want to trade him, although he will be, although he will be coveted by a lot of teams. But I, I, I'm optimistic about the Cubs. I really am, other than the starting pitching. If they get that worked out, I think they can win the division. We're talking baseball right now, but all four of us here at this table are big golf fans as well. We mentioned off the uh, start of the show that uh, congratulations in order to uh, Corbin Siebens and the Parklands golf team. They won the national championship yesterday, this uh, past week, and wrapped things up over in Plymouth, Indiana. And uh, Mike Trammy from uh, Parkland is on the line with us. And uh, Mike, you've got, yeah, good morning. You've got some news about uh, Welcome Home Celebration. Yeah, just hoping to share with the listeners that if anyone's got some extra time this morning at 11 a.m., the team's going to get back to Parkland. We're going to have a little welcome back celebration in the B1 parking lot for them right outside the Student Union, and and hopefully they uh, they will enjoy a, a little bit of a friendly welcome home from the CU faithful. Well, that was a nice win. Certainly any national championship is great, but uh, I watched uh, some of the uh, scoring on uh, golf stat uh, throughout the day, and 
it uh, kind of went back and forth. They just hung in there. It was a two-team race, basically, but uh, a big win to bring a national title home. And that's got to feel pretty good for everybody involved at Parkland. Yeah, you're right. It was nip and tuck all the way to the point where their last golfer on the course was the kid that was going to win the individual championship for South Mountain. And uh, it was not decided until he shot his last three holes. So, Good stuff. So, Mike, that's at 11 o'clock this morning, you said? Yes, yes, 11 o'clock in the B1 parking lot at Parkland. Okay, we appreciate that uh, update, and congratulations once again to Parkland. Thank you, sir. You bet. Okay, Joe Thompson, let's, let's hear the Cardinals today, the Cardinals in the future. Okay, uh, I think the conventional wisdom was the Cardinals had a slight edge going into the year uh, by most prognosticators, and betting services would indicate that. I suppose In the that, division. In the division, because I'm a little bit worried about looking out to the west and seeing uh, the Dodgers and the Padres out there. Uh, they look pretty formidable, but and I, but I don't know that it still holds. I mean, the Cardinals are up by a couple of games now, but as Bill and I spoke about earlier, injuries have everything to do with what's going forward. Uh, I think the, the team that probably keeps their health the best probably has the edge at the end. Uh, the Cardinals, you know, they need Hicks back, and O'Neill was playing well, and he makes a big particularly Hicks makes a big difference in that uh, back into their bullpen. He just changes everything. Right now, the Cardinals are having to throw some guys that they wouldn't want to, you know, if they didn't have to. In middle relief. In the middle relief. Yeah. In middle relief, you know, and like I say, Flaherty's the only guy in our staff right now that's consistently eating up innings. You know, they don't have that many quality starts, just like the Cubs. There's just not many quality starts, and so you're, you know, we're talking about position players and, you know, the, the glamour guys on both sides, but most of these games are decided by the bullpens. You know, it's mm -hmm. not, the, not the most fun thing to look at, but that's what the reality is, I think. And as far as the Cardinals in the future, I mean, they're really well positioned uh, for the future in that they have real stability in their franchise. Uh, you know, Ballpark Village, Phase 1 and 2, uh, they've been able to keep their payroll at the same level as 2019, where the, the Cubs went from the number two payroll team down to 11 or 12, and they had to drop $50 million, you know, in their payroll, which I think if I'm a Cub fan, I'm a little bit concerned if they're going to be able to sign, you know, their big four, you know, going forward the next few years. Yeah, and I think but, back, one of the big things about the Cubs was, was uh, Bill mentioned starting pitching, when you lose uh, Darvish, that's that's one, that's your ace right there. And, of course, Lester's gone, and not that he was going to be great well, from this point on. But. Absolutely. If Darvish is on that staff, I would make the Cubs a slight favorite. But, you know, he's gone. Why I'm optimistic, maybe I'm overly optimistic, but when the Cubs were playing poorly, they still swept the Dodgers, mm -hmm. who's who we think is probably the best team. Yeah. Uh, they swept the Mets, who's leading the East. Then they go and they lose two out of three to Pittsburgh, two out of three to Cincinnati, two out of three to Milwaukee. Then they bounce back and take three out of four from uh, Washington and uh, look like they're playing pretty well. So, like Joe says, if starting pitching, it's going to make the difference. Need to take a break. We're talking baseball. If you'd like to join us, 217-356-9397. Bill Small is with us. Joe Thompson, 
Lauren Tate and yours truly, Steve Kelly. We'll take a timeout and be back in a couple of minutes. Feel free to join us on Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk. It is 10:21, and this is Illini Pella Saturday Sports Talk on WDWS. And if you happen to be in the market for some new windows or doors at your home, I would suggest a trip to the Pella Window Store at 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. It's a good place to see all the products in person. You can uh, take a look at the beauty of wood windows, the ease of those between the glass blinds, and the durability of fiberglass entry doors. You know, Pella is rated by Champagne homeowners as the window brand that can improve the value of your home. Research shows that, and the experts there will show you what they know about what type of window or door works best for you in each unique situation. Working with the folks there, very easy process from the picking out of the products to the installation and financing, too, if you want to talk about that. But the best way to get started is to visit the showroom, 1001 North Country Fair Drive in Champaign. That's where you'll learn more about the styles, materials, and options available to you. They're open Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, Saturday by appointment. Check out their website at PellaOfChampagne.com. If you go in, say hi to Mike Mary and his staff. You can give them a call at 356 6474 for the Pella Window Store in Champaign and the locations all across the state of Illinois and the state of Indiana as well. 1023, the phone line is open at 217 356 9397. We were talking about uh, baseball and focusing on the Cubs and the Cardinals, but we can't overlook what the White Sox are doing with uh, their new manager, uh, Tony LaRusa. They've got uh, Tony's got them Did in first new, place. New manager or old manager? <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's the new old manager. We've got a, a, another baseball fan on the phone with us. Would like to jump into the uh, conversation, and let's go to Marty down in uh, South Carolina. Hey, Marty. Well, North Carolina. Uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> jumping states. Jumping states on me. Hey. Uh, Quick question before I get to the baseball. Lauren, is uh, Corey Stevens, you said, was a coach at Parkland. Is he in relation to John and Myrna Stevens? I don't know, but I would imagine, but I don't know that for sure. I don't know. Okay. Just wondered. Um, John played, was on the football team, was a fullback with my dad, was a halfback at B-Mint years ago, and he lived in Monticello, so I thought it might be. Anyway, uh, it's an honor to talk to Bill Small because he re- not only a great player at U of I, but he raised one hell of a coach. <laughs> might be the best coach the university's ever had in any sport, in my mind. So congratulations to you. And you wouldn't argue with me, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Marty. I appreciate that. I really do. And I bet he gave you no trouble when he was growing up at all. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, Joe, I, I have a question on the Cardinals. Um, you, you've danced around the one thing that concerns me more than anything else is the amount of not only hit batters but walks, especially from the bullpen, which is concerning because it doesn't seem to be getting any better. It concerns me as well. I think they're leading Major League Baseball, or they were last week, in total balls thrown outside the strike zone. So, yeah, I'm worried about it too. Somehow or another, Reyes is able to get by, and he was – They just can't hit him. Well, he, right, but he was also leading the entire Major League Baseball in balls thrown. But mm-hmm. now he's, he's throwing that 
breaking ball over for strike, and he's, they can't hit that either. He's, he's virtually unhittable when he gets the ball over. He, no. he, he, he can't score on him. Marty, I think you hit, well, the, got, hit the nail on the head, though. They've got three guys at the back of the bullpen, Cabrera, uh, Gallegos, and uh, Reyes that are awful solid. But they need to get Helsley going, and they need the other people to throw strikes. Well, throw Hicks and, in the mix there and see what you got, too. Well, when's he come back, though? Good question. They're just being so careful with somebody who, th- who throws that hard and, and had, you know, he's coming off of Tommy John surgery and opted out for an entire year. So, you know, I don't know. They think maybe another month. I wouldn't worry maybe about month. starting rotation quite so much because uh, Martinez has had four pretty good starts. Gant scares me walking people, but he gets out of it. He's had his four or five good starts. Uh, I like Flaherty, although I still think he gives up more runs than he ought to with his stuff. Uh, you're going to get Miklas back. I think you're going to be okay in the starting rotation. We'll find out starting today. Michaelis pitches today yes, for the Cardinals. Hey, I'm already got some other calls. Appreciate yours. All right. All right. Let's go to Matt on the car phone somewhere. Go ahead, Matt. Hey, guys. Uh, Lauren and Joe there. Are you guys frustrated by the talent the Cardinals give away as outdoors? There's a reason. Scotty was circumstancing. I get that good shit. And we probably could have signed Azuna. Well, I think there's no question that the, the loss of Rosarina was just a blow. I mean, they just didn't give him enough of a chance to, to show what he could do, I guess. And I saw just a couple of days ago he had four hits and a home run in a game. And he's hitting about 280, 285. I'm not sure exactly. It's in that neighborhood. And uh, he's, a, he's a good hitter. I think I would call that a big blunder. Maybe <laughs> the biggest blunder the Cardinals have had in a long time. But... I've actually, Lauren and I were talking about this last night at the Illinois game. Our outfield's actually been pretty good this year. I mean, you know, Gritchick, Piscotti, I mean, we can name a bunch of other guys that would maybe fill in just as well, but that was our biggest concern, fam. But, you know, you got a gold glove outfielder in O'Neill, and Bader is hitting better, and nobody covers more ground than him, and our best young player in the system is out there in right field, so... You know, and they plus they don't cost very much, and, and that's what you have to look at closely every time you evaluate a ball player. Because hey, talk about the, the Joe. Talk about those numbers that you brought up uh, off the off the air, uh, the Cubs and Cardinals and and, and the expenses. Well, uh, this is probably the boring part of the game, but it, it really interests me because when like Lauren asked the question, what what do these teams look like going forward and. From the Cardinals' perspective, they've been able to hold their payroll at the same level as 2019 with a lot less revenue coming in. And they had signed a new TV contract, which gives them more money. They generate a lot of money across the street. You know, they had been getting $3.4 million across the turnstiles. And, you know, they hope at some point to get that back. And then you flip it over to the Cubs. Um, well, stay on the Cardinals just for a second. Uh, the Cardinals were fortunate enough to buy the club for $145 million 15 years ago and then sold the parking structures across the street for $90 million. So for $55 million, they ended up with a major league franchise. And that just changed everything for the Cardinals. It enabled them to build a new ballpark and put themselves in the position that they were. And then the Cubs had to pay $800 million for the 
for the franchise and spend $500 million on the renovation of Ridley. And they're more dependent upon this revenue that's been lost in the last year. And they, so consequently, they shed $50 million of their payroll uh, from last year to this year. And so I don't know what the Cubs look like going forward, you know, whether they get that money back and, and spend at the levels that they had before. But the Cardinals are, you know, very stable in that standpoint, I think. Anything else, Matt? Nope, that's it. Thanks, guys. Have a good day. Yeah, appreciate the call. Let's uh, go to John calling in Champaign. Go ahead, John. Uh, yes, I just want to make a comment about Illinois' assistant basketball coaches, and then I'll let you two finish up. I was, if you two will remember, remember when Tony Yates left, everybody thought the basketball program was going to go down the tank, and then look, Jimmy Collins came, and look what happened. And that's all I was going to say. Remember that. Yeah, Thank well, you. Jimmy had a great ability to deal with the, with the players in, in the Chicago area, and, and that's where we were recruiting at that time. That, I think we've got to get some of that back. I don't know what you guys think, but I, I think we've got to get some Illinois players back because I think that would be a more consistent way to, to develop the program than trying to do what we're doing, you know, what we did with Antigua. I don't know if you can continue that, particularly without Antigua being here. I totally agree. Bill, what do you think about the recruiting? We, we need someone that has connections in Illinois. Uh, I think Chester Frazier was a tremendous hire. He doesn't have those connections. He's got connections other parts of the country. And I think he's going to do one heck of a job. We do need to get someone to establish a rapport and connection in the Chicago and suburban area. And, of course, all, all over downstate. Uh, can that be done? I sure hope so. But, you know, uh, when, when Bill Self was here, we didn't... We weren't worried about who the assistant coaches right. were. Are you, you know, Lou Henson did a heck of a job recruiting when he was here. And so does Underwood. Underwood's done a good job here. It isn't as though it's just the assistant coaches doing it. The head coaches do an awful lot of recruiting. And, and maybe are more important than anybody else. We need to take a break. We'll do that. We'll continue that line of questioning. We'll talk some golf with these guys, too. I'm not going to let them get away without some golf conversation. Stay with us. Uh, we'll keep the phone line open, 217-356-9397. If you're hungry, you got 30 minutes to come out to Bromley Hall and the Kiwanis Club Pancake Breakfast, which is going on until 11. We'll be back in a couple of minutes here. Stay with us on DWS. Welcome back to the program, Illini Fellow Saturday Sports Talk. It is 10.34. We're heading towards 11 o'clock. With Lauren Tate, I'm Steve Kelly. Ed Bond is here. Dave Leak is our producer back in the uh, studio. We're on site at the Champaign-Urbana Kiwanis Club's annual pancake breakfast. We skipped a year, but uh, <laughs> last year, as we skipped a lot of things last year, but uh, we've broadcast here for six or eight years. I've kind of lost track of how many times we've done it, and it brings back Good memories, and it brings back a sad memory because we always had Lou Henson sitting at the table with us. He started, didn't he? He did. Lou and Mary uh, were visiting with us. We tried to get, uh, well, we looked into getting uh, 
having Mary come and join us, but she's in Las Cruces. For about, what, another nine days? Uh-huh. So she's she's involved in some fundraising down there with right. the Boys Club, I believe, Boys and Girls Club. We'll catch up with her when she gets back and yep. uh, get her on, on the show. Phone line is open, 217-356-9397. We've been talking baseball with Bill Small and Joe Thompson. We're going to talk some golf with them. Anything else that might be on your mind, basketball recruiting. If you missed some of the news of the day at the top of the show, Jeff Alexander is now an on-court assistant for Brad Underwood. He served uh, the last uh, three or four years as the assistant to the head coach, and now he's a he can now travel. That's, yes, that, that's and recruit, big, and yep. he can re- and, and he can be on the court. Yep. Stephen Gentry went back to Gonzaga, so Brad Underwood's still looking for an assistant coach to uh, fill in with Jeff Alexander and uh, Chester Frazier. So that process is going on. The Kofi questions still up in the air. We won't know yet for another month or so. What do you think, Bill? Well, it's unfortunate that. Kofi's going to wait until the end of July to let us know what's going on. Uh, yep. that, that may be disrupting what some of But that's people. the case with every player right. that's going to try right. out for the NBA. I, I understand that. But the, the, w- if Kofi comes back, we're fine. Mm-hmm. I'm very confident that we can all, probably duplicate what we did this last year. If Kofi doesn't come back, then we got to make some big adjustments. It's just too bad we got to wait that long to find out. What do you think, Joe? I took the words right out of my mouth. I could say we'll have to play a different style completely if Kofi's not back. Uh, maybe it'd be one of those things where we run a lot more. Uh, I don't know. Okay, Kofi's getting a lot of suggestions from New York that he should go pro. He's getting a lot of suggestions in Champaign-Urbana that he should stay here. What's he going to do? <laughs> no answer? Well, no. Uh, I've been told that he has a pretty good connection with Coach Alexander. Mm-hmm. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. But I've heard that the, they had a good good rapport, that Alexander worked with him a lot last year, and he likes Coach Alexander. Uh, is that going to outweigh him going to the pros? No. If there's one general manager in the NBA that says, Kofi, I'll draft you in the second round, Kofi's gone. Right. It's as simple as that. Yeah. If, there's no one, if no one can give him a guarantee that he's going to get drafted, then, then we've got a shot. You think we'll know that in July, Joe? Or he will know? I'd say July would be the like the magic time to know. And, you know, he, he probably also is holding out, is there a chance that somebody might pick him up in the bottom of the first round? Because if that's the case, oh, that's well. three-year no-cut contract. I mean, that's the difference between the first round and the second round is just exponential in, the, in only basketball. You know, it doesn't make any hardly much of a difference in any of the other sports. But, that's but you can get a contract in the se- if you're a second round. You can if you can negotiate it, you can get a contract. But it won't it's, be for three years. Well, no, it might be might be for two though. I, I mean, I know some cases. So, go ahead, Steve. Let's go back to the phones and uh, Daryl calling from Urbana. Go ahead, Daryl. Good morning, gentlemen. Would Dion Thomas be a candidate for the U of I coaching position? Uh, no, he's he's not a candidate for that. Well, he's, he's got a pretty good gig going, and uh, he's he, and you're right. He has a history of being a coach and an athletic director at, at a different level. I mean, I, excuse me, Bill. Who did he ask about? Dion, Dion Thomas. Thomas. Oh, Dion. Yeah, yeah I, I haven't heard his name. Dion's uh, working so. for the university, and, of course, he does the uh, the radio broadcast as well with Brian Barnhart. But uh, good good question, but uh, don't think that that uh, is I an think option. Underwood is taking a, a lot of uh, – 
of interviews right now with a lot of coaches around the country and, and trying to analyze who's the one single guy that you want. And I don't know who that would be. But but we're here on every – go ahead. I just thought that he, had, he was a big man, and we could use a big man coach now. I know he didn't have a Latin American ties, but uh, I thought yeah, he well, certainly has Chicago ties. Yeah, just because you're – and look, I think Dion would make a very good coach. There's nothing wrong with he, He's coached in the past. He's been an athletic director at the junior college level. He's fine. But just because you're tall doesn't mean you're necessarily uh, any better of a, of a coach on the floor than somebody that's short. I mean, what, what does it have to do? You know, just because you played the position, you're better at it? I don't know about that. Maybe just but, he might relate to some big man is all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think Dion relates to everybody. I mean, he he's terrific. He does a great job. But um, I, I don't okay. think that well, that's you, what, I think okay, I think you. Underwood's got some really good candidates, and I think he, he's just trying to figure out who's the one guy that he wants to hire, and it'll be somebody that we don't know probably. We appreciate the call, Darrell. I mean, it, it could be Menega, Mike Menega from, from Oregon. We are, I would know him. We are coming in loud and clear this morning from New York. New York. Okay. That's where Jeff is calling from. Go ahead, Jeff. Good morning, gentlemen. Um, I'll be kind of brief here, but this is for uh, Bill Stahl. Bill, um, okay. I'm, I want to echo what Marty said a few moments ago. It's an honor to speak to you, and I want to tell you that uh, the first Atlanta basketball game that I saw uh, featured you, it was the last game in Huff Jam. Uh, February 23rd, 1963, against Wisconsin. I was a fourth grader at the time. It was one of the most memorable days of my life, and I enjoyed watching you guys so much. We won. I do recall that. I can't quote the score, but uh, just seeing uh, all of you guys, you, Dave Downey, Bill Burwell, Bob Starnes, and Cal Brody, was you know, you know, I'll never I'll forget, forget it, it, and I wanted, I wanted to take the opportunity to just uh, to say thank you thank to you. I'll, I'll Tell us about that game, guys. Bill. Well, Tell us the Wisconsin game. Thank you very much. I appreciate those kind comments. That was a pretty good team, wasn't it? <laughs> I remember that game vividly. It was the last game in Huff. The Chief made his first appearance, and Huff was as loud as I ever heard it. And I played in uh, two years high school championship games there. I played six games in high school in the state finals. And, of course, those games were, were very raucous. But the last game in Huff, Jim, was the most noise I've ever heard. It beat Chicago Stadium, beat Madison Square Garden. It beat the Assembly Hall. That place was rocking. And if you remember, we were behind at halftime because Wisconsin had a good team that year. We were behind at halftime. We came out in the second half and blitzed them and ran them off the court in the second half. And that, it, it was just something I'll, not, I'll never forget. The noise, the, uh, the fans were really into it. And it was, it was just a memorable event. And I thank you for your comments. Jeff may have hung up there, but we appreciate uh, the call. So you tell, take us from the last game at Huff to the first game at the Assembly Hall and the experience there, how different that was. Oh, wonderful. Uh, like I just mentioned about Huff, never, I'll never forget that place. I got so many memories there, both in high school and college. Then we go to the assembly hall, and we had one practice in the assembly hall. <laughs> so all they gave us was one day of practice. And because uh, when we played in it, what, March 1st, 1963, it really wasn't even completed yet. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, it, there was the floor and the benches and the scores table, and that was all. It was on the main course. There was nothing else. No temporary bleachers, uh, not nothing. And uh, the background was difficult to shoot on, but uh, it was something else. It was just like walking into you know, another world. But uh, we, we were fortunate to win both games, and it was just something that will stick in my memory forever also. But no comparison. I mean, uh, I, don't remember, I don't remember what the noise level was in, in uh, the assembly hall. It was more like a, putting on a, uh, an opera or a play because people were in awe. You know, you, you know, if you'll read the interviews. Of the I kept looking around wondering if the place was going to fall down. There was no posts in there. You're, you're not the only one. You're not the only one. But it was, it, was, it was just an experience that I'll never forget. But it was completely different. I mean, I loved Huff Gym. I mean, I, I love that place. And then we were at the assembly hall just for two games. I wish we could have had a full season in the assembly hall to see how we could have done in there. But like I said, we are fortunate to win both games. You remember that, uh, that time, obviously, Lauren? Well, yeah. Oh, I, I, we, I was fortunate enough in high school to have tickets for the games that, that Bill's talking about at Huff. And, and uh, there was something really exciting about being so so. Cl- we did not have six feet uh, separation <laughs> in the Huff. And the players and the football players that were sitting in the front row, and there, there was always talk about, you know, when they had, took a ball out of bounds, in front of those football players, they I would grab you. you know, it was well, Terry Dissinger, the great player for Purdue, claims that he lost a tooth in the crowd there at Illinois. Lost a tooth? Yeah. Somebody elbowed him or whatever when he was going into the crowd. So. <laughs> there, there, was, there wasn't a foot from the sidelines to where the first row of the bleachers stood. Yeah. I mean, and it, it, was, it was something else. And then the, the contrast of that environment to the, the the spacious if you will yeah. cavernous <laughs> assembly all had to be quite different oh it was night it was night and day and uh like lauren mentioned in in huff gym uh, the football players had to reserve section right on the southwest corner of huff uh, right free throw line extended and uh i don't know how many rows they took up but uh, they they were they were our really allies <laughs> and, you know, we, we we had a good rapport with them. We had a lot of good Allies. friends on the football team, and it, it was just it was unbelievable. They they caused all kinds of, of ruckus. My dad said uh, when he was in school that you couldn't even get a full season ticket for the entire year. You just got a partial. That's right. And then you traded around because the demand was so high to get in there. It was only seated you know a little over seven thousand. And, you know, there was probably at least twice that many people who wanted to go to the game. So you're always trading back and forth. I'll trade you a Wisconsin for this <laughs> one for an Indiana well, later on. I, yeah. I think they limited students to two tickets, you know, per season. And the, and the season ticket holders, I, I don't know what that, what that was. But I do remember in high school playing in Huff Gym. And it seated 7,500. Of course, it was standing room only. And back then, you know, one class of high schools, uh, everybody wanted to come. Uh, there were 7,500 in the stands. There was probably another 10,000 milling around outside and walking down Green And you had Street. 16 teams instead of eight, right? Yep. Yeah, playing all day long. And, and uh, right before we, in the mid-50s, they cut it to, to the Elite Eight. There were 16 up until like the mid-50s. And, and, uh, and after that, they went to the Elite Eight, and we started on Friday, Saturday. But uh, there was probably another, you know, 7,500, 10,000 outside mingling around. And then on Green Street, there was more people. I mean, everyone from the entire state came to the state tournament. 
and we're then talking of course, and of course, school was still in session at that time, and it was, it was just it was, it was something that, that, uh, at that time. That's Bill Spall, who uh, played basketball back in the early '60s here at uh, the U of I. Of course, the uh, dad of Mike Small. His team is getting ready for the uh, NCAA championships for the 13th straight season. I know you're very proud of uh, what uh, what Mike has done in the coaching and playing ranks, but. Uh, how would you rank this team uh, with, with some of the other ones he has? He has had. Yeah, this is the 13th consecutive year they made the finals. Only Texas with 14 has more than them. Uh, Southern Cal uh, dropped out a couple years ago. UCLA did. But uh, th- this, this team is, uh, how do I describe it? It's, overall, it's probably not as talented as the, some of the other teams that he had. But this team is probably closer. This team is a bunch of competitors. Uh, they take coaching real well. And like I told Mike last night when he stopped over, I said, you know, we've always said that you're going to win the big one when you least expect it. And he says, Dad, you're right. He says, these guys, if they play like they played at Oklahoma State, and if we can keep the ball in the fairway, he said, if we keep the ball in the fairway in this course out of Greyhawk, we can beat anybody. And uh, so he's, he's, he's confident. He's not confident they're going to win, but he's confident that they can go and compete. And uh, like he said, we keep the ball in the fairway because Adrian sometimes has a tendency to, you know. Tell me the format of the tournament. The format starts on Friday. It's uh, 72 holes, metal play. The four, of, the, of, the 70, of the 30 teams, eight top scores will make it to match play starting on, I think, Tuesday, and you'll play uh, two matches the first day and then the finals the, the, the next day. So they've got to go out. They've got to beat uh, 24 other teams to get to the finals. I mean, 22 other teams to get to the final eight. Mm-hmm. And once you get to the final eight, I mean, anything can happen. It's a coin flip. Yeah. Ever, ever since they've had match play, and I, what's it been, Steve, 10, 12 years yeah. now? Yeah, probably 10, 12 years. The number one seed going in the match play is only won once. It's always been someone from, you know, uh, five to ten, four to ten that's won the match play. And you, th- you know, anything can happen. As you got, and Joe knows, and you guys know when you get in match play. And that was that was very obvious in that, in 2014 when we got runner up to Alabama. Right. You know, we were the fifth seed. We beat Texas, a defending champion, the fourth seed in the first round. Uh, and they were very good. I mean, they they had a, two or three guys playing the pros right now. The second the second round in match play, we beat Cal, who supposedly at that time had the greatest college team ever because they'd won like 14 consecutive uh, tournaments. We beat them in the semifinals, and then we played Alabama, who was the uh, second ranked team. We played them in the finals and. Uh, they beat us four to one. Thomas and Peters was the only one to win a match, and we just ran out of gas. And uh, so anything can happen. And uh, I'm optimistic. I got a question for Joe Thompson, Twin City. What's going on? Well, we're still trying to piece that together. Uh, we've got some conflicts on our normal rotation this year, so the tournament should still be held. That I don't want to say exactly at this point because there's still a few I's to dot and T's to cross. But it will be the last weekend in July as it normally is on Saturday and Sunday, 
and uh, kind of stay tuned, and we'll make an announcement here shortly. But I just don't want to speak until you know everybody's is been it, informed. Is it possible that uh, that uh, Savoy will host one of the rounds? That's that's very possible. And there are only two rounds total. That's correct. Okay. Well, again, uh, still we're just you know. Okay. I, I, I don't want to speak for the committee. Obviously, something's going on here right. that's different than right, the, right. Just availability, and there's some conflicts and some dates at the you know in our traditional rotation. So. We're just going to have to, you know, kind of stay tuned on that. Back to Illinois golf for a moment. Joe, you and I have talked about this many times, but the job that, that Mike Small has done at the University of Illinois is unbelievable. Coaching jobs of, in any sport. It's something I thought was not even possible. Right. How's that? I'll never forget, and Mike took over the job, and he, he took over a team that was kind of so-so, and he had kind of an average first year, and then – he had consecutive years where he finished second in the Big Ten. I'm sorry, three years in a row he finished the second in the Big Ten. And we were walking down number one playing, and he said, you know, I don't, Joey, I don't know if I'm ever going to win this thing. And I just hearkened back to thinking, and I'm trying to cheer him up a little bit by saying, hey, Mike, where you started, you know, second is it's unbelievable. I mean, that's better than any Illinois team has done in 50 years. And then, then he goes on a run and just – well, it's still going, and I don't see any end to it. And like I say, nobody's ever had the success at the University of Illinois that Mike's had. And from where he started, I mean, it's a story all into itself. And it's not just the University of Illinois. It's the golf in the Midwest, golf in the, oh, he, the northern the, sector of the country. I think, you know, there was an evaluation. I hope I'm not getting in trouble for this. Um, a couple of years ago, there was another coach who was looking for uh, a contract extension and had an independent uh, study done about what the success of all these other teams had been. And Mike came, University of Illinois came out, the criteria that they used over a five-year period was number one in the country. So, I mean, that's just one study and one way of looking at it. But, you know, I, he's been there every year, and he's won – countless tournaments and he's had NCAA champions and he's won the stroke play part of it and like Bill said you know you come down to match play in a, in a few matches you know anything can happen it happens at the highest levels and it happens at at the collegiate level it becomes kind of a crapshoot but uh, what a job Mike Small's done. I'm gonna let you go uh, here in a minute guys but Bill one more question for you not golf related but back to basketball this is a text question could you ask Bill Small who is the best basketball player to have played at the University of Illinois. We talk oh about all-time teams. and best, uh, Played against? No, no. no. For, who do you for, think the best, best Illinois player. basketball player? Oh. <laughs> the, the, uh, the, the texter said his vote was for Nick Witherspoon, but and certainly he's a guy that you would include in uh, an all-star team, certainly. But do you have one favorite? Uh, let's do it this way. You got a favorite player, maybe not the best? My favorite player? That, that's a tough question. It, it is. Re it really is. There's I so mean, many good ones. I mean, you know, uh, Nick Anderson was very good. Uh, Rich Adams was very good. Uh, that's, the, that's the topic of a whole other show. Yeah. <laughs> we, we don't have a clear-cut one like Magic Johnson right. or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar or, or Oscar Robertson. Or we just don't have that exact guy, but we've got some right. awful good ones. We, we've had off. That's exactly right. And we've had we've had situations too, like uh, uh, Kendall Gill. Yeah. His freshman year, he was very average. Yeah. Sophomore year, got a little better. Very, you know, 
good, but not not. And then all of a sudden, his last two years, he blossomed into as good a player as, as maybe there was for a year or two. I think it might be Darren, though. He had more success than anybody else. I think, as far as you mean later. Yeah. Well, later. Right. But but well, I guess that's the question. See, Are you see, talking about collegially or? Yeah, or, we're just talking yeah. about collegiate. See, that's the problem. Yeah. If, if you go and, and you see what they did later on, but it, just at Illinois, that, that's a tough question. We need to leave it at that. Uh, Bill Small and Joe Thompson, <laughs> appreciate your time and uh, good to chat with you guys. We need to take one final break and we'll do that. And Lauren and I will wrap things up after this. Wrapping things up on Illini Bella Saturday Sports Talk. We are happy that you uh, joined us. Thanks to the folks that called in. Also, thanks to our guests here in person at Bromley Hall at the Kiwanis Club's Pancake Breakfast. Jason Hegemeyer was here, Mike Poeta, the wrestling coach, Bill Small, Joe Thompson, and Brett Stilwell, along with, of course, the star of the show, Mr. Lauren Tate. No, I, I'm just disappointed we couldn't get. Uh, Small and Thompson into a fist fight, but I guess we couldn't. They, they both are smarter than that. <laughs> They're not going to go down that road. Mr. Bond, thank you. Ed Bond, uh, our on-site uh, engineer, and uh, thanks to Dave Leak as well. Appreciate you listening on WDWS, Champaign-Urbana. For everybody I mentioned, this is Steve Kelly. Have a good weekend, everybody.